Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 90. So I think it's pretty clear to a lot of people at this point that our society is in trouble. And, you know, it's easy to point at the symptoms. You know, the the increase in inequality, the increase in anxiety, in despair, in, in suicide... But it's harder, at least for me, to figure out what's really going on. What are the root causes? What's the underlying disease? And, and you know, these thoughts I'm having are definitely, <laughs> they're definitely a work in progress. But the more I think about this, I think there are at least two possible reasons Not exclusive, you know, these don't explain everything, but I think there's something here. And the first culprit is more and more our economy seems to be a winner-take-all system where one person or two people basically get the entire pie. They get all the wealth that's created and everyone else just gets the scraps. And there's a guy, an economist, named Ole Peters, who's been doing some work on this. And he has this beautiful example, a game, an illustrative game that I want to try, you know, poorly (laughs) to describe, to give a sense of what this might look like. Let's say I came to you and I said, let's play a game. Give me $100 and then you flip a coin And if it's heads, I'll give you $150, so a 50% return. And if it's tails, well, you lose, but I'll still give you $60 back. So it's a negative 40% return. And economists traditionally would have said that's a good game to play because the expected value of playing is positive. You know, 50% of the time you get 150 50% of the time you get 60, so the average you get back is $105, which is more than the 100 you paid to play the game. And so go ahead, knock yourself out. You should play this game over and over again. But here's the rub, and here's what Ole Peters shows really brilliantly in some of his talks. He shows that over time, if you play that game, you will be ruined. You will lose all your money, even though the expected value of the game is positive. And here's a somewhat intuitive way to try to understand this. Let's say there were four people playing this game, and one of them flips heads twice in a row. Well, then they get $150, and then the next time they would get $225. And then one person flips heads and then tails. So they go up to 150, and then they lose 40% of that, so now they're down to 90. And then a third person flips tails first, so it goes to 60, and then they flip heads, and so they get 50% more money, so that takes 60 to 90. And the fourth player has no luck at all, and so they flip tails, tails, and so they go from 100 to 60 to 36. And again, if we take those four outcomes and we average them, if we take them all together, then 
we're still ahead. As a collective, we've still made money. But three out of the four people have lost. More than 100% of the gains, in fact, have gone to one person. And if you play the game out many, many, many times, that's exactly what you see. You see one person at like a billion, and then you see everyone else essentially at zero. But if you just look at the system, it looks like a positive return. It looks healthy. The system looks healthy when you look at it as a whole. But if you start looking at the components, the pieces, the individuals, you realize that everyone is losing. And that's where we are today, I think. I think Ole Peters has found a model of economics that really mirrors today's situation, where on the whole, one number looks like we're doing well, but individually, we're all doing terribly. And I think that's what happens if you take a complex system and then you reduce it to a single number. Like, like GDP <laughs> or unemployment. And then, you know, the economic experts go on TV and they tell us that this country is doing great because, well, GDP is growing and unemployment is down. But those experts totally miss the details. Like, oh, I don't know, that, <laughs> that GDP is up because Jeff Bezos has $100 billion dollars but half the country is one illness away from bankruptcy. Everyone has a job, right? Unemployment is down, but all the jobs are shitty. They're service jobs with no benefits, no health care, no pension, no dignity, no future. So that's one culprit, this winner-take-all system that increasingly seems to be the rule. And then the second culprit. The second underlying problem, I think, is this idea of a closed system. And a closed system is when the people inside lock the doors and they pull the ladder up and they keep all the goodies and they keep everyone else out. You can't get in. And, you know, that's the boomers. That's the boomers. The boomers took everything. They took all the houses and all the jobs and all the power, and then they pulled up the ladder of success behind them. If you're a university professor, you're probably a boomer, and you're protected from reality, and you can teach the, the most insane things without consequence. And then everyone else in your department is a graduate student who's making like $2,500 per course and is basically left out to dry. With houses, right, with houses, the boomers bought all the houses super cheaply and then passed laws like Prop 13 that made them insanely expensive for the next generation. And so again, you have this closed system. The boomers got all the good things and then they locked the doors to keep everyone else out. So these are at least two underlying problems, winner-take-all systems and closed systems. So now imagine for a moment you're young and you look around 
and you realize the result of this is that you have zero opportunity. There's just no opportunity. You can't even enter the closed system. All the tenured faculty positions are already taken. All the nice homes are already owned by boomers who pay like, you know, like $2,000 in property taxes on a million dollar house. All the good jobs are taken. All the partnerships at the law firms, all the partnerships at the PE firms, all the top ranks in the corporations, they're already filled by boomers and those boomers refuse to retire. All the spots at the Ivy League schools are filled by rich kids. Unless you're already a part of this elite class, you're not getting in. Instead, you get to have six figures of student debt in exchange for a worthless degree. And then you're young and you look at the other system, right? The winner-take-all system, where everyone loses except except for Jeff Bezos. (laughs) And you're supposed to work a temp job in the gig economy delivering Amazon packages to boomers with your own car. And you're supposed to thank Jeff Bezos for that privilege. So those are your choices. A closed system you can't enter, and a winner-take-all system where you know you're going to lose. So why not burn down the system? Why not preach a leftist ideology that, you know, still contains some, some opportunity? I mean, heck, yell loudly enough, and maybe you'll get the job as a diversity and inclusion administrator. Or... I don't know, you'll get a job in human resources or a job in the in the in loco parentis bureaucracy that has taken over, that has kudzued the university system. There's no opportunity anywhere else. So playing identity politics just becomes pragmatic. It's just the sensible thing to do when every other door is slammed in your face. And so we need to solve the problem. We need to fix these broken systems. But I don't think the answer is just redistribution of wealth. Not directly. Because because as long as the conditions that enabled the rich to get richer and trapped the poor in poverty, as long as those conditions don't change, then... We can redistribute all the wealth we want, but in one generation, we'll be right back where we started. We'll be right back here, right where we are today, in a fragile system where everyone is losing. And even the people who seem to be winning right now, it's just temporary. Tomorrow, they will also be losers. So the answer is, I think, is to change the system. And that means, well, the closed systems have to be opened. We need to, you know, expose universities to reality. (laughs) We need to eliminate tenure. We need to make colleges pay their fair share in taxes. We need to, I don't know, repeal Prop 13 so young people can afford homes again. And then secondly, we have to eliminate the winner-take-all systems. And I think this means localism. It definitely means ending globalism, 
which has failed everyone. I think it means, like Matt Stoller argues, we have to bust up the trusts, break up the monopolies in tech, break up the oligopolies in healthcare, rein in the goddamn military-industrial complex that has never seen a country it doesn't want to bomb. Make it illegal for banks to get too big to fail. End socialism for the rich. End socialism for corporations. Regulatory capture today is the rule, and that prevents competition. We have to break regulatory capture. And I think here's the punchline. I think. (laughs) A system is either healthy or it's broken. And our system, more and more, is broken. As Eric Weinstein says, it's broken because it's fixed. (laughs) It's fixed. It's fixed in favor of the boomers and against every other generation that just wants to get a real job and, and own a home and start a family. Our system is fixed in favor of Amazon and Google and J.P. Morgan and, and Wells Fargo and Lockheed Martin, and it's fixed against every other company that just wants to be allowed to compete on an even playing field. So I really think it comes down to two choices. We can either reform our system and solve this problem, or the people who the system fails are going to burn it down. And let me tell you, today, the system has failed most of us. And tomorrow, the system is going to have failed almost everyone. And so the voices for burning it down are going to become more numerous and louder the longer we take to fix the problem. Reform the system or the system is going to burn. It's our choice. Okay. (laughs) That's all I got this week. I'll catch you next week.